What's up, Refuge? How you guys doing tonight? Good, good, good. Uh, my name is Scott. Uh, there's some new people here tonight, so I want to meet you. So please come and meet me later. I'd love to just kind of hear who you are and what school you go to and all that kind of stuff. But I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we are continuing through our series straight through the second chapter of Philippians. Um, but before we, before we jump into the actual verses, it has been 345 days since January 1st, 2011. Okay? And as I was kind of putting this message together and, and looking at what the Philippians 2 and the next verses we're looking at says, I was like, man, there, this really has a correlation to my New Year's resolution. Um, and I don't know if anybody remembers it, but we're going to talk about it tonight. But uh, did anybody have a New Year's resolution that they've stuck to? Anybody? Um, I, I, I know Cole, right? You haven't had a soda since December 31st. Anybody else? Anybody New Year's resolutions met? Here's what my New Year's resolution was. It's very simple. And I personally think I'm doing a great job. But um, here, if you, have, if you weren't here Jan- in January when we talked about this, we're going we're gonna to show up on the screen. But I said January 1st that I was going to attempt to be uh, more uh, swole, if you will. Yeah, see, like, I guess that guy's name is Lou, right? Is that right? Yes. I didn't know that. I just found, I just typed buff guy. He's the Hulk. He's the original Hulk. So anyways, I thought it's very simple. By the end of 2011, I'm going to look like that guy. And I personally think I'm doing all right. But um, <laughs> what? You don't see it? <sighs> Just kidding. So they'll go ahead and flip the picture. I kind of I, I put my face in there. There it is. See, it looks very, it looks very legit right there. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I, but that was the first thing I said, that I wanted to look like that guy at the, at the beginning of 2012. So I have 20 days left to do some work. Um, a lot. Uh, but here's the second one. I said that I wanted, to, I wanted to eat more of this than I did ever before in my life. Okay? So I, I'm a huge In-N-Out fan. I love it, love it, love it. And so what I said is, man, let's make 2011 like the winning year. And what I'll do is I will eat more In-N-Out this year than I ever have in any other given year. And so uh, I think I, I've done all right on that one as well. Um, and because and, Candace and I, we love to go out to eat In-N-Out. And, uh, and the reason why I bring those up tonight is because as we jump into Philippians chapter 2, um, there's this, there, we're talking about that because here's, here's what I had to do in order to make, go back to resolution number one with my face. In order to make that happen, uh, I had to, what, what would I have to do? Go ahead and help me out here. <laughs> Grow taller. Okay, but. In order for me to look like that, not if, if you take steroids out of the equation, I don't want to do anything illegal, um, but I would have to work out, right? And, and, and then if you go back to the in and out picture, in order for me to, to let that kind of sit in my life and just like consume that beautiful picture there, I would have to allow in and out to work in me, okay? So we got the, these two things tonight where people looked at my New Year's resolution like I was crazy. Like, Scott, you can't eat more in and out than you ever have and also look like Lou Frigno. Okay, I, you can't do that. And so tonight, the verses that we're looking at, the reason I brought that up is A, to kind of keep some accountability of how I'm doing, um, and B, to say, there's these two things that don't really make a lot of sense. 
And tonight in the verses, when you first read them, there's these same types of things. Like, what's, what's going on in these two verses? So um, if you have your Bible, open to Philippians 2. If you don't have your Bible, I encourage you, bring your Bible to Refuge. We are always in the Bible. We're always talking about it. And yes, we put it on the screens, but um, that is just for like a second reference. I'd love you have your Bible and you underline and you get it done there. So, um, but here's where we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 12 through 13. So check out um, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out, there's that word, those two words we're looking at tonight, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we're going we're to bust this open tonight and talk about it. Here's what verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this, this verse says, therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, there's the buff Lou Ferrigno. Okay, work out your own salvation. But verse, verse 13 throws a curveball and says, let God work in you and, and, and to will and to work. His work is, is what makes you will and work for his good pleasure. And so um, tonight, we're just going to look at, we're just going to kind of walk through that note sheet you have tonight. And, and before we jump into really the, the 12 and 13, we have to look at this little teeny word at the beginning of 12. What's the first word in 12? Help me out. What? Say it again. Therefore, okay, if you've ever been at Hope long enough, you've heard this, this thing, and it's, it's a great way to read the Bible. If you're ever studying the Bible and you just like put your finger on a verse that starts with therefore, you really have to look at why it is therefore, what it is therefore, because it's obviously concluding a thought from before. And so what I want to do is I want to recap just real quick what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. And so we're going to start in verse 8, and so they're going to be on the screen. But here's, here's this whole passage leading up to verse 12, where, we're tonight, where we are tonight, therefore. Here's what it says in verse 8 of Philippians 2. And being found in human form, that's Jesus. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the cross, and we looked at the, the crazy picture of what Jesus really endured for you and me. Like pain, suffering, agony, really, really like gruesome stuff happened. That's what verse 8 says. And then verse 9 through 11 is what Aaron Jones talked about last week. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So here's what verses 8 through 11 are saying. That there's this Jesus character that we've, we talk about all the time at Refuge that comes into human history. And dies on a cross for you and I. And we talked about that. And then it says that God exalted him to the name that's above every name. That every knee should bow and every tongue confess. So Paul, which is the writer of Philippians, kind of paints this picture for us. That there's this suffering servant named Jesus who, who died a terrible death for you and I. And because of that, because of who he is, he is exalted. He is the name above every name. He is all that there is. He is the ruler of the universe. And then Paul jumps into verse 13 and says, Therefore, because of all that, because of the death, because of his humility, because he's the ruler of the universe and every single one of us will stand before him one day and every knee would bow, every tongue confess on every single person on the planet is going to do that. It says, Therefore. So that kind of gets us leading into what we're talking about. So th that's the picture he paints. Is there's this huge, big God who did this huge, big thing for you and I. And then it says, therefore. 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I don't know if you see this tonight, but there's clearly these two things happening. These two perspectives is what we're going to call them. That there's this work out, but there's also this work in. And so there's the, the first blanks that we're going to tackle tonight is these two perspectives that we see. The first perspective is work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's in verse 12. Paul says that you and I are to work. There's this responsibility aspect that we are to work out our own salvation. But then there's also this second perspective that it is God at work in you both to will and to work. And so just like earlier we talked about working out to make me look like Louie, and there's also this working in thing to make me eat more in and out than I've ever eaten. They look like they kind of clash. It doesn't look like it goes. And so tonight the goal is for us to look at these, take them one at a time, and see how in the end it's actually a perfect picture of the Christ life. And so here's what I want to do first. Um, I, want, I need a volunteer, but it has to be a specific volunteer. I need um, a junior high boy to volunteer for me tonight. Don't be scared. I'm not going to, like, throw something on you. Uh, I need a volunteer boy. Um, who is that back there? Alec Honeyman, get on up here, buddy. Give it up for Alec Honeyman. Um, Alec's going to come up here, and uh, I have a very specific purpose for Alec, and, uh, and he's just going to sit right here on this on this chair. Actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and do this one um, because it's nice and, and, and comfy. It's and it's smaller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Alec, what I'm going to do is I, as we kind of walk through just for like five minutes, um, we, I'm going to give you something, okay? And it's something that's very valuable to me. Very valuable. So all I want you to do, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything but sit there and hold the thing that is really valuable to me, Okay. So you just got to sit there and just listen like they're listening and, and just, and all you're going to do is just hold this thing that's valuable, okay? And you can't be scared and you can't drop it or you can't hurt it because it, it's very, very significant to me. Um, and it's, it's my daughter Avery, okay? <laughs> Avery's making her debut here at Refuge tonight. Have you ever held a baby? Say hi, Avery. Look at this. Look at the kids. You guys make some noise or something. Hey. <laughs> hi. Okay, uh, here's what I'm going to do. Just, you know how, yeah, there you go. There it is. <laughs> now, remember, this is very valuable to me, okay? So what you're going to do is you're going to hold her head. There it is. Perfect. You got it? You got her? You got her? Hi, baby. And, and that's all I need you to do. Whoa. That's all I need you to do is just sit there and just listen like they're listening and just kind of chill out with Avery, okay? And if she gets too crazy, just yell my name before you drop her, okay? Um, but she, uh, yeah, she may just puke a little bit. Don't worry about it. It's just like this, it's just this white nasty substance. And um, just, here, you can just take her bib and kind of do that. Or if it gets, if it shoots, if it's like projectile, just kind of wipe it off, okay? Okay. Uh, that's, that's all you got to do. But you're, you're doing great right now, okay? And we're going to get to why you're doing this in a minute. Um, but here's what I want to do tonight. I want to, um, I want to talk about this word salvation. And, and this is kind of, this is the interactive. So here's what first thing I want to do is, and Alec, you're doing great, man. Uh, and here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Can anybody tell me, because we hear that word, that's church right there, salvation, saved. Um, what, 
What? Try not to pay attention to Alec, okay? She's, she's like, who is this boy? Uh, yep. You got a bouncer, dude. You got a bouncer. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But seriously, who, who can tell me, just shout it out or whatever, what does salvation, because that's a word we just throw out there. What does salvation mean? Anybody? No wrong answers tonight. Just shout it out. Awesome. Saved? Okay, the act of being saved. That's great. Macy, what were you going to say? <laughs> okay, Alec, you ready for this again? If this, doesn't, if this doesn't work again, you know what you can do? You can sit it right here, just like that. She rocks that stance all the time. And just if, if, if she gets fussy, just bounce her, okay? Um, that, that chair's got some hydraulics, so you're good. Um, the act of being saved. Whoever said that back there, I like that. So salvation, when this verse says, work out your own salvation, salvation means that we are saved from something, right? So like if I were to be walking right here and I tripped and I'm falling towards Sarah and Taylor, they would need to like catch me. And if they caught me before like the chair went through my chest, then they would save me from the chair. There would be like a salvation moment there, right? Like that's being saved. And at Refuge, and if you, this is your first time, we're going to talk about this until there is no more Refuge, that there is salvation available. There is salvation. There you go. Just keep bouncing here. You're great. There is salvation available for you and for me from this, this, we don't have to take her so like everyone's just not staring at her. Here, here's what I'll do. I'll take her from you. I'll take her from you. Alec, give it up for Alec. He did a great job. Would you do me a favor, bro? Here, step on down here. Okay, I don't want you to take a step. That's crazy. And uh, hold her like this and you're going to just take her back to Candace. You got it. You got, you got it. Give it up for Alec again, man. That's, that's intense. That's intense. So anyways, back with me here. I know that was, we'll get there why I had that happen. That wasn't just random. Okay, but there's a salvation experience for, available for us. That, that we, as, as you are born into the world, and you are headed for somewhere where you need to be saved. That you don't have a relationship with Christ. And all we talk about here as refuge is the, the invitation and the, um, the call that you and I have in our lives to be in a relationship with God. And so this thing that we talk about is when Jesus came and died for us, there's a salvation that, that is available. And so that's what this verse is talking about, this working that out, working that relationship out, working that salvation out that maybe some in the room have experienced. And so tonight, I just want to look at two ways um, that we can work out our own salvation. Before we jump into verse 13, the one where it talks about working in, what are two ways that we can work out our own salvation. And the first one um, is, is very simple. Uh, it's the word obedience. And I don't know what you think of when I say that word. Maybe some of you guys think of authority and you hate authority. Maybe you think of teachers or parents. Or I don't know what you think of. But we, we, we got that out of this first part. Work out your own salvation. This obedience principle. And here's the definition we gave of obedience. is It's knowing what God says. And doing it. If I want to work out, like in the gym, if I want to look like Louie or Lou Ferrigno, I would go to the gym and maybe if I had some extra cash, I would hire a personal trainer. And the personal trainer would tell me, okay, Scott, you want to look like Lou, here's what you need to do. You need to do these reps and this weight and this exercise. And he would kind of lay out this path for me. And if I wanted to work out that plan, I would have to obey what my personal trainer said. 
And it's the same for us that God clearly gives some things in scripture and clearly gives some things over our life where he says, this is will help you. This will hurt you. This is not what I planned for you. This is what I planned for you. And the first step to working out our own salvation is obedience. And here's the deal tonight is I really believe there's some people in the room because I know I struggle with it. And so if I do and our leaders do, I'm sure some students do, but we struggle with this obedience thing. Some of you guys know that God says some things. That there's these things that God says to do and not to do that we just go ahead and say, and eh, you know, I know God says that, but I'm just kind of doing my thing right now. And there's this lack of obedience. And we see that in our relationship with God. When we don't obey what he says, when we don't obey who he is and obey what he says not to do and obey what he says to do, there's this, there's this lack of obedience. So here's the second one tonight, and this is why we had Alec up here with Avery. The second way we're going to talk about tonight of working out your own salvation is seeing yourself as valuable to God. That's, the, that's, that's what we get from that with fear and trembling, right? That's not you're scared to death of God, that, it, that God is like this horror movie that makes you scared. Whenever you see fear or trembling in the Bible when, it re, when it's in reference to God, it's this reverential awe. It's this man, God is God. And so the reason I had Alec up here is because Alec had something that was very valuable to me, right? He had my daughter, my three-month-old daughter. And so I give this to Alec and I say, be careful. Be, this is valuable to me. Hold Avery. Don't let her drop on the floor. Don't let her head fall back and do something bad. Don't, don't handle her with care. Handle her with responsibility. And I, and I gave Alec this responsibility up here of holding Avery, something that was very valuable to me. And a couple weeks ago at Refuge, we talked about the cross. And that's, why the there, that's what the therefore is there for is that there's these, this picture of the cross and who Jesus is wrapped into these two verses. And so the cross is Jesus hanging there for hours, dying for the sin that we would never be able to pay for. And he's saying, you are worth this, that you are valuable to me. That's, that that kind of puts like some responsibility on us. Some of us in the room, you would say you're Christ followers. There's this responsibility aspect of salvation and in a relationship with Jesus that a lot of times we don't take very seriously. And maybe when we looked at the cross a couple weeks ago, it kind of hit us. Man, I walk past that cross really, really flippantly. And I don't really think about the value God placed on it to save me. See, when you value something, You take care of it. You care for it. You you cherish it. It's something that means a lot to you. I don't know what that is for you. For me, that's my kids. For me, I don't really get, you know, I like my kids and I like like my electronics, right? Maybe you're in the same boat. It's like your phone is your Avery. I'm the same way. My phone drops, you know when your phone drops and it's one of those like it's face down and it's like, oh God, please. Okay, it's not cracked. Thank the Lord Almighty. Okay, like that's, that's how you feel. Like maybe you cherish your phone or maybe you cherish a relationship in your life or maybe you cherish things in your life. But we all know that responsibility that we carry when we value something. 
And so one of the other ways that we're looking at that, that we can work out our own salvation is A, just do what God says. There's this obedience factor, but also value yourself the way God values. Not value yourself like I'm awesome, look at me, but see the price that Jesus paid for you. Right now, tonight, that's available. The price that Jesus Christ paid for you, he, you were valuable to him. Even as Ben was talking earlier before that song, he saw you as worth it. And a lot of times, it'd be like Alec putting Avery down on the floor and walking by and just saying, yeah, I don't really care that you value that, Scott, because I don't. I don't. I don't care about that. Some of us lay our salvation down, lay our relationship with God down, and say, that's cool and all, Jesus, the cross, the whole thing, your work in my life, that's all good, but I'm going to kind of walk away from this because really, I'm not cool with working out my own salvation like you call me to. I don't give a rip about it. And we live the Christian life totally separated from God's plan for us, that he did this for you and I, and we throw that down on the ground like it's no big deal. So I think that's, that's a good way to kind of to talk about working out your own salvation. Do you value it? Do you obey what God says? And then we're going to look at verse 13 tonight, which throws a whole curveball in the mix. And here's what verse 13 says, just right off the bat. This is what verse 13 says. It's not all up to you. It's not all sitting on your shoulders and you got to figure out how to do it. There is this responsibility component. But there's this also this amazing truth that verse 13 says when it says that it is God who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That word work, we don't really talk a whole lot about Greek here in Refuge, um, but this I I thought we kind of had to. That word work in the Greek is a word um, that, how you say it in Greek is energio, okay? When I say that, does anybody kind of get maybe an English word in your mind? Energio. Energy, exactly. We get this word energy in our English language from this Greek word work. And, And so here's, how many of you own a cell phone? Anybody? What a dumb question, all of us. Okay, how many on a cell phone? Hand, put them up, put them up. Okay, so you guys, I don't know, it doesn't matter, iPhone, cell phone, whatever. But uh, is that your cell phone making noise? Um, but so we all have to charge our phones, right? And so I got a charger up here on stage because, uh, A, my phone really is about to die. And B, I, I want to show you something, okay? So I got a charger up here because it's, a, it's an ultra charger. Um, but we all charge our phone at night, right? There's mine. It's charging. We all phone our, phone our charge. We, we phone our charge at home, right? We cho- maybe charge our phone. We charge our phones. I do it every night. I don't know how much you do it, but my, my battery is pretty good now. But I charge my phone every night. And then when I wake up, it might be like on 10% or 5%, whatever. And then I, I wake up in the morning, it's at 100%. And then I unplug my phone and I put it in my pocket and I kind of walk through life and I play games and I text and I go on the internet and I Facebook and whatever. And, and by the end of the day, there's an empty battery, right? I and mean, that's, is that track with me? That's pretty much how it is with cell phones. And so here, here's what I want to kind of try to explain is for some of us, we view our life and our relationship with God like we're the battery 
and Jesus is our phone cord. And we plug it in, and maybe, man, we, we, we have refuge on Sunday. Man, it was good, man. I just worshiped God, and during the message, God just kind of spoke to me, and I loved that. And in my small group, there was a cool conversation that I was a part of, and the prayer time afterwards, it was all, like, really cool. And then what we do is we disconnect from Jesus and church and whatever, and we put our, 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 our life in our pocket, and we kind of live life. And some of you guys are experiencing this every week. Is because at the end of the week, or not even at the end of the week, Monday or Tuesday, you're like out of Jesus juice. You're out of energy because you can't do it all the time. You can't be a Christian all the time out of yourself. And so what we do is we just wait, we wait, wait, wait for refuge or for church, and we plug back in, it's like, oh man, hurry. And we watch that thing build up, and we're like, okay, man, I got, I'm good, I got my source, I'm good, I'm walking out. But here's what, what, I, what I, the picture that was painted when, when he says that God this, is this energy in us. It's almost like if you had a huge extension cord. And you just walked around your life and you're just always charging. You're just always being plugged in. That's the picture that Philippians 2.13 paints. And here's your blank. Is that God is our source. Our energy. Our strength. Our supply for doing anything of value. Because just like a phone isn't created to run on a battery forever without ever being plugged into the power source. You and I were never created to live this life never being plugged into our source. In fact, our battery's really weak. It's like a terrible battery. It doesn't work very well because once we unplug from our source, we run out and we run on empty really quick. And so here's what I think this verse is saying when it says that, that God is at work in us, is that as we are plugged into our source, as he is our energy, he is living his life through us. That's the language we, the Bible paints, and we use it hope all the time, is that God is pressing his life through you and I. Because of that, you and I can work out our own salvation. Here's, what, here, here's it in, in a real easy statement to remember. The Christian life equals God works in, you work out. That God is at work in you. And because he's at work in you and because you're spending time with him and because you're connected to your power source and it's not just a Sunday thing, but it's like a daily thing, this relationship with God. Because you're connected to the source, the supply, this energy You and I can work out our own salvation. And his life through us manifests itself all over our lives. So tonight, maybe you're asking the question, that's that's all great, Scott. But that's like church talk. That's just like refuge sermon, you know, words. How? When I walk out of the door tonight of the loft and I go to my school tomorrow, I get in the car with my parents, how do I do this? Two things real quick, how you do it. The first one is this, super practical. This is how you plug this into your life, everything we're saying tonight. The first way you allow God to work in you is you spend time with him. 
Man, there's some people in the room that have heard that way too many times for their own good because it just goes in one ear and it goes out the other. But you don't understand until you start doing it the value that spending time with your creator has in your life. Now maybe it's 10 minutes when you wake up in the morning. Man, for some of you, you got a long drive, man. If you have a smartphone, download the, uh, the what's it? It's the, um, it's the Bible app, but it's, I think it's Life Church. Is that? You version is what it's called. It's from lifechurch.tv. It's this church in Oklahoma. They put out this Bible app where you can have the Bible and all these different translations, and you just have it right on your phone. Man, maybe for you, that's your, your long drive to school. You just spend some time with God. If you don't know where to start, start in the book of Philippians. Start in the Gospel of John. Ask your small group leader, man, where should I start? I want to start reading the Bible. I want to start spending time with God. You and I were designed and created to spend time with our source, to be plugged in. And if you don't, you miss out on the life that God has for you. And here's the second way I think we can, we can allow our salvation to work itself out. That was the God works in you. This is the you work out. Is that you strive for ways to be better. As God is at work in you, even as a sixth grader or an eighth grader or a tenth grader or a senior or a leader or me or anybody in the room, you and I, as God works in us and as we're spending time with him, you and I should strive for ways to be better. Better what? Better. Better Christians. Better brothers. Better sisters. Better girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives, students, daughters, sons. Better. That we serve our, our friends better. That we serve the people in our school that need to be served. Or our families. That as God presses his life through us, you and I should be looking for ways to work out our own salvation. As we close tonight, I want to kind of paraphrase a story from John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's, he's at this place called the Pool of Bethesda. And what it is, it's this big pool. And, what, and all these sick people used to just lay around the pool. I mean, literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of sick people are just laying around this pool. They're blind they're paralyzed, they're maimed. I mean, there's just a bunch, hundreds of people that are in need of healing. And so this picture in John 5 is Jesus as he's walking through all these people. He's probably stepping over them. They're everywhere. All these people that are just lying there at this pool, just sick and paralyzed and blind. And Jesus approaches one, one, one guy, and he's been paralyzed for 38 years. And maybe somebody brought him to and from the pool every day, or maybe he just lived there. 38 years, he's just at this pool. And Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And the guy looked up at Jesus, and I don't know if he knew who he was, but he said, I can't be healed. And Jesus looked at this guy, and he said, your sins are forgiven, you're healed, get up. Pick up your mat." And go home. 
And after 38 years, this dude stands up and he rolls up his mat and the, paral- you know, the paralysis is gone and he walks away and he's like, dude, I'm healed after 38 years. Here's why I tell you that story tonight. Is there some of you tonight in the room that you have been healed? That you would say, I am a Christian. But you're lying on your mat like you're sick. You're lying on your mat like you need to be saved or healed. And Jesus is saying, I did it. Get up. Go home. Work out your own salvation. But we're just lying there waiting to be healed or waiting to be saved again. And Jesus is saying, no. Get up. That's some of you. But some of you are here tonight and you're lying on the mat like I was lying on the mat when I was 16 and I didn't realize there was somebody that could heal me. I didn't realize that there was somebody that could make my sickness go away. And so tonight the call for you is that Jesus is looking at you and saying, get up. I can heal you. I can heal the brokenness in your life. I can heal those those relationships that are jacked. I can heal the separation that's between you and I right now. So for some of you tonight, it's about jumping into a relationship with God. Because maybe you come week in and week out and you don't have that. So tonight, the invitation is that God wants a relationship with you.